Welcome to the Business Done Differently podcast, where we believe whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. And that standing out is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Jesse Cole, and it's showtime. Today, we are bringing some Disney traditions and magic to the show with the author of Lessons from a Mouse and Unleashing Excellence, the man, the myth, and the man that once played Captain Nemo, Dennis Snow. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much. I'm honored that you invited me to be on the show. So I'm glad that we're finally able to meet, at least virtually. I know, I know. It's been a while. I think it was almost four or five years ago I sent you the first letter after reading Lessons from a Mouse and the impact it's had on us and and our team. And, you know, with this, you have the experience, 20 years working with Disney, sharing it for 20 years. I want to really think differently and go into the whole route of Disney and how they do everything. So I'd like to go back to you, Dennis. When you first got hired, 19 years old, all right? Right. Tell me about the hiring process, walking back there and how it happened. Very fascinating. I came down, it was going to be a three-month job. That was my plan, was to to work at Disney for, for three months on a break from college. And so I came down and you go through what's called the casting process. You know, that's a very carefully chosen word. And because they want you to realize you're not being hired for a bunch of tasks. You're being cast for a role in the show. Now, the tasks are part of that. You know, the tasks are definitely part of that show, but it's bigger. So you go through a pretty intensive interview process. And and for the onstage positions, you know, there's certain things that they're looking for, that approachability, that natural gift of of being able to connect with people, you know, share stories and, and those kinds of things. So they're looking, they're looking for that. And so you go through the casting process. Now it's you go to what's called the casting center, which is a it's a much bigger deal than it was back in 1979, where there's videos and statues and all kinds of stuff in, in there. But it's the philosophy is the same. They're trying to find people who are are wired to focus on the guest experience. You know, Disney calls their customers guests, so so that's what they're looking for. It was a three month job, so it was really a part time position to start with, right? But that you, was the plan. Yeah, that was the plan. So it was a part, yeah, it was actually not even a part time. It was a temporary position during a peak period. So there was a definite end time to it. Well, I just fell in love with the place, you know, and so what was going to be a three month job turned out to be a 20 year career. And I was fortunate enough to be hired to work at an attraction called 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Captain Nemo. And because uh, most people do, they start working on the front lines at Disney, you know, whether it's in a food and beverage location, attractions, whatever. And that's still the best job I've ever had, by the way, uh, you know, driving those submarines that don't really go underwater, but still, it was still the best job I've ever had. And then after that, they put you through what's called Disney Traditions, yes, which is the onboarding process. And I don't know if you wanted to get to that later. You wanted me to... We, we could dive in now. I, I'm just, you know, for us, we hire 150 part-time staff. So many people yeah. hire, you know, part-time. And like the process that you went through, yeah. what do they want to find out? How do they ask questions? Just going through it yeah. into Disney Traditions. It, now, again, it's evolved over time yes. since then. You know, it's, it's evolved, but it is open-ended question circus. I mean, they're just throwing these open-ended questions out to, you know, tell me about a time. Tell me now at 19, I didn't have a lot of experience to look back on. You know, I was a waiter. I was a dishwasher in a restaurant before that. But they would ask you to tell stories. They would ask you to share, you know, what you did if a customer got upset. How did you handle that? You know, why do you want to work here? What do you know about Disney? What energizes you about work? And, and what they're looking for is just that authenticity that's not, because they're not looking for a single personality. 
They're looking for people who authentically want to deal with other people, that want to interact with other people. Mm-hmm. And that isn't one personality. You know, that, there's a lot of different ways to do that. So that's what they're looking for. Now, since that time, they worked with the Gallup organization and, uh, and other organizations in studying their very best cast members in the different roles. You know, the people who you would say, if we could just clone these folks. And they're studying what they do, asking questions, and designing their interview process on the responses from those superstar cast members in those roles. So again, it's become more and more refined. I'm fascinated. What did they find? Because, you know, what I've learned is that with these type of positions, extroverts, people that have energy that are really, really can communicate and talk. But did they find something similar? Did they find something different? Because I'm fascinated what they were looking for. What they found. And now, again, keep in mind, over time, they've really studied different roles within the organization. But what they have found is it's the authenticity, the genuine authenticity of I want to help other people. I want to make other people, I want to be part of this organization that their focus is on making people happy. Mm. You know, people who are willing to deal with challenging situations. Because you know, you know from your business, not everything goes, (laughs) I'm I'm guessing, not everything always goes just the way you want to. And the quicker that's being handled by people that are out there on the front line, the better. You know, and so they're looking for people who can think quick on their feet. So it's not so much about personality as much as it is about the authenticity. Okay. There were guys, cast members that I worked with who were very energetic, you know, they were super energetic. Others that were more reserved. But every one of them, you could tell they genuinely cared. They genuinely wanted to do the right thing. They showed up to work on time. You know, they did the things they were supposed to do. And so that's what they were looking for. One of the things they do now, which I thought was is a brilliant idea, is before you even get interviewed, they show you a video of what it means to work here. Because most people, they've been mm-hmm. there as a guest. Well, they kind of, let's go backstage and talk about, you know, the realities of the place. Mm-hmm. You know, we work while others play. And when you first join the organization, your schedule is going to be pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the appearance guidelines, you know, all yeah. of those, they, they go into all of this. And what they found, and, I, and the numbers may have changed a bit, I don't know, but it'll be pretty close. They found out about 15% of applicants screened themselves out mm. before they even interviewed because they looked at the, and it covers pay and other, you know, all of the other things too. A certain amount of people said, it's not for me. This isn't for me. This so they send that, that video is sent by Disney like that's on their website. That's before they actually apply. When is they that? Go, no, they go to the casting center to, and they, they watch the video. Yeah. Before they actually get interviewed. Before they actually get interviewed. Okay. So this is fascinating from a Disney. This is a great takeaway, I think. So look at your best people, your best, whether it's frontline, that's full time, find out what they have in common. So maybe interview them or right. talk to them, find out the, the traits that they have, and then ask questions that can find out, do these people have those traits? Right. And not that you're going to hear the exact words from each applicant, but are you hearing the themes that you heard from your Mm. superstars? Yes. What does it take to get your best performance? Mm, And what does it take to get your best performance from a leader? And, you know, those kinds of things. And, And so how your strongest people would respond to that type of question is going to give you an idea of, is this person going to be right? The other thing that they do is the people who actually do the interviews 
are all former frontline cast members. Ah, so that they know, you know, they know they don't get it right 100% of the time. Yes. They don't get it right. But they can tell pretty quickly if this person is going to be right or not. Awesome. And it's probably, I'm sure, some of the superstars that are doing the interviews. It's not the people that are just average. You know, this is so good, Dennis. One thing that we do, we do undercover fan where all of us go undercover as a fan to experience the ballpark. But now we're also doing frontline fan where every one of us are full-time goes and works a position on the front line for a yeah. day. So whether it's at a cast register, serving ice cream, serving beer, and I think that's done at Disney, right? The exact- yeah, for your viewers, that is worth its weight in gold, what you do there. If every company would do that, because we do this at or Disney, I say we, even though it's been 20 years since I left, but <laughs> I still say we sometimes. I love it. A program called cross-utilization, yes. where during peak periods, anybody in backstage positions would be scheduled for at least one onstage shift, including all management, you know, for one on, whether it's busing tables, loading people on a track, you know, they, they basically would put us anywhere we couldn't hurt anybody. You know, that was, that was sort of, you know, sweeping the street. But it did a few things. First of all, it reconnected you with the business, what we're really all about. You know, it's not about the spreadsheet or this computer program. It's about this that's happening out in the park. So I definitely reconnected you with that. But it also reminded you about how hard those jobs are. You know, I'll never forget one time my assignment was scooping ice cream in the ice cream parlor on Main Street, USA. I had no idea how hard that job was, you know, because my arm was exhausted, you know, yeah. from this frozen, I, you know, in about an hour, my I had a claw, you know, as I'm doing this. And, you know, it's just reconnects you back with how hard those jobs really, it gives you a new appreciation for it. So that was, again, one of those things that I thought was a very powerful program. And program is in the right word. It's a very powerful approach to reconnecting everybody back to what the real business was and just acknowledge that, hey, we all have a role to play and none of these roles are easy. Yes, I love it. And, you know, the terminology for Disney is guests. We use fans for everything. Everything's yeah, yeah. fans. And so even our people, we look at them as fans. Everything's fans. But it's, when was the last time you actually served a fan? You get up and you become an executive. When is the actual time you serve yeah. them? And you're saying, hey, we want you to be like this and animated, not automated, which we'll get into. They want you to be like this. But you haven't done it. When was the last right. time? And right. I think that's so important for leadership is to, you know, give permission to your people on how to act by demonstrating yourself. You know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of reasons why I wear a crazy yellow tuxedo, but yeah. one of them is to give permission to our people to have fun, to not take yeah. themselves too seriously. And if yeah. you have an owner that's sitting up in their box watching a baseball game, that's having the finest food while everyone else is working, what does that show your people? Right, right, and, right. I, and when you're out there, that, that was another thing that was required was when I was working in the parks, the best title that I have ever had is I was the supervisor of Fantasyland. Love it. I mean, can you imagine? It's just the best title I've ever had. But in those supervisory positions, management positions in the parks, we were required to spend at least 70% of our time out there mm. in our area of responsibility. And the idea was to be interacting with the guests, interacting with the cast members, helping out where needed, coaching as needed, encouraging as needed, all of those things. Like you said, it wasn't about sitting up in the the ivory tower and 
making pronouncements. It was about being out there with uh, in the park. Uh, and that actually went back to Walt Disney's philosophy. When they built Disneyland, one of the things that was on the books that they had talked about was building some pretty nice offices for management. And Walt's statement was, I don't want management sitting in offices. I want them out in the, out in the park. You know, we're not going to build these nice offices. I want you out in the park. Oh, I love that. That's kind of gone on from, from there. It's so fast. Now going back to Walt. So, you know, obviously we went from, you know, getting the job, going through the interviews into some of the, the, you know, approaches that Disney takes, but Disney traditions. And I know you actually helped run a little bit of Disney. Yeah. 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 I'm fascinated fascinated by this because I feel like a lot of companies, you know, they hire someone, but you don't really get to know what day one was like and how it opened and how that, tell a little bit about Disney traditions and how that's taught and how companies utilize it. I tell you, the onboarding process in any company is something that that cast member, employee, team member is going to remember forever. Mm. Okay? They're going to remember the first day forever, whether it was lousy or whether it was fabulous. Yes. They're going to remember. So the first thing that you do when you join the company, before you ever set foot out in the park or whatever your job location is, yes. is you go to the Disney University and you go through Disney traditions. And Disney Traditions is a two-day program. One day is focused on the heritage, the traditions. The second day is a little more operational. But day one, I think, is that's where the magic is because they go into things like where all this came from. Mm-hmm. Because so many people joining the organization, they were they don't know who Walt Disney was. You know, they, they've heard the name. They, they kind of know he was a person, but they really don't know the legacies and, and the challenges and the creativity and all of those things. Mm. So the first day is spent focusing in on the traditions, you know, where all this came from. And it's very inspirational and in talking about some of the, the innovations and the, the amazing things that Walt Disney and his team created that if any of those had failed along the way, the company may not exists today. Oh, yeah. Now, how, how is that taught? Obviously, Walt, I mean, knowing his story, I mean, he mortgaged his life, mortgaged right. his house, mortgaged everything to make right. it, which obviously me and my wife have some familiarity with that. Yes, yeah, I'm sure you do. Uh, but how is it taught? Like, is it videos? Is it lectures? Is there pamphlets? I mean, how is it? Yeah, it's a combination. It's a con- So it's frontline cast members who are chosen very, very carefully for yes. what they call the Disney traditions assistance. So it's, it's people who have been out there on the job. They're the instructors. And lecture, yeah, a, we'll use lecture. It, it doesn't feel like a lecture. It yeah. feels like a, you know, a conversation. A lot of video, obviously, because, you know, we want to bring Walt to life and, and yes. show what that was all about in the history of the company and some of the, the innovations. Interactive discussion, you know, within teams, you know, talking about how this applies and the, the job that you're going to have. So it's a combination of, of all of those things, of, of lecture, video, interaction. Keep in mind, I went through it in 1979. <laughs> it feels like it was yesterday. Wow. I remember the whole thing. I remember the guy who taught the program. This, I think, is the key leadership point that comes out of Disney traditions, is here you had this 19-year-old kid from Vermont who thought this was going to be a three-month job. Okay, I'm going to have a great time. I'm going to Disney World. I'm going to have fun. Three months, goodbye. So they went through all of these things and what was expected, too, then about your role in the show of this. Now I had this legacy on my shoulders mm-hmm. where I knew that every interaction that I had with a guest, that legacy was on the line. 
And I, I believe our people should carry legacies on their shoulders. They, they should, a little bit of a burden on their shoulders that said, that says, I can't screw this up. Mm. Look at everything that went into making this happen to, to what it is that I can't, I can't be the one that, that screws this up. So came out of that very inspired, you know, very, very focused on, wow, this is really a special place. And then the second day was all about some of the operational things that you had to take care of, you know, that doing CPR and, you know, yes. some of those things that you just have to, you have to do. Then after that, you went out for your on the job training. So I went to 20,000 leagues under the sea yeah. and had a trainer who was very carefully chosen, best of the best, you know, carefully chosen. And Jeff's job, and again, I remember it like, it was, I remember Jeff very, I can picture him, I can picture the whole thing. His job was to connect what I learned in traditions to driving the submarines at 20,000 leagues under the sea. Uh-huh. So it was a very seamless uh, approach to onboarding a new person into the organization. Interesting. And, uh, and again, it worked very, very well. And then, and as I'm sure you do, I, I just knowing what I know of you, I'm <laughs> sure you've got to be relentless then mm-hmm. in keeping the message in front of people all the time. Yes. Uh, one of the questions I get asked just about every program I do is people will say, how long is the training at Disney? <laughs> you know, and I always say, always. well, it starts when you say, I think I'd like to have an, a, a job here because when you go through the hiring process, you're treated as a guest. Mm. It's a very carefully orchestrated thing. So it's, it's a very Disney thing. Then you go through that traditions program. Then you go through the on the job training, but then, you know, you're having team meetings, you're having management updates, you're seeing posters on the walls, you're seeing videos in the cafeteria. So it's just around you yeah, all the time. I love it. Now you said training there, but earlier you said coaching and teaching. And I think what we've learned is we don't use the word training. We feel dogs are trained. People right, want to be, right. want to yeah. be coached, mentored. And it yeah. sounds like, you know, training, the whole mindset of training is like you get your training wheels and then they come off, you right. know, training you do, and then you're done. Then you're done. Yeah. Coaching, teaching continues. And yeah. it sounds like that's part of the language that's used at Disney. Yeah, I think you're, you're right on. And the coaching part, one of the things, the programs that I do now, especially with leadership groups, one of the things I spend a lot of time focusing on is the role of a leader as a coach. Hmm. Because coaching is real-time training. Okay, if something happens, you know, there's a situation, there's an issue that somebody could have handled better, you know, and, which happens. The sooner you address that issue and connect it back to the purpose of the organization, you know, what your, your purpose really is and connect what just happened back to that purpose and what corrections need to be made and those kinds of things, that's real-time training. That's as good as training gets. And so one of the things I think that leaders, and they're challenged by it, I think one of the most powerful things that leaders need to be doing is looking for opportunities to coach. And the other side of that too, which I think is part of coaching, I believe is part of coaching, is recognition. Mm. When you see that person that's, you know, steps up and handles a challenging issue or at least attempts, you know, gives it their best shot to handle a challenging issue rather than just ignoring it, you know, living the values that one of the most powerful things we can do as a leader in those cases is to say, I just, I, how you handled that was amazing. That was, that's who we are. I love it. Uh, that beats any prize, you know, any certificate that you might meet. 
give somebody, and I'm not against prizes, I'm, I'm not belittling prizes, but I always say never let the prize become the thing. Yes. Emotion is the thing. Yes. Now, the prize can represent the recognition, but it's the emotion of the recognition that's critical. So that's, to me, that's part of coaching. I love it. I love it. When I was at World of Disney in uh, Disney Springs, so the biggest retail store, and I, I was asking the numbers and they said, oh yeah, sometimes we have as many as 500 cast members and 30,000 people. I'm like, what? Like this yeah. The numbers are staggering. So I saw one of the supervisors, the leaders, the managers, and I just observed him for a little bit. I was watching him and I uh -huh. just noticed something and I, and I went up to him and I said, hey, you know, actually, what, what, is, what is your job here? And he goes, uh, he goes, well, you see all these people that come in here. He goes, those aren't my guests. You see the people over here? These are my guests. And he, oh, I love it. Cast members. I love it. I love it. You know, said, those, those are, are the my guests. It makes me feel so good. Yeah. He goes, those are my guests. And he goes, I'm watching them to see how I can help coach and lead and help them in situations. And I yeah. he was literally watching each cast member in interaction, not as like a judgment, but like, how can I serve them? And I was like, yeah. wow, imagine if every leader, they look solely to serve their own yeah. people as their yeah. guests. It was yeah. so fascinating. Well, another, uh, another thing that's connected with that, when you're in the park, next time you, you come down, and I know you're, you come down to Disney a lot, <laughs> watch for the people who are obviously in management, you know, the people who are, are yes. dressed in plain clothes. Yes. Most of them will have what they call nabby grabbers in their hands, you know, the devices to pick up trash yes. off the ground. That's everybody's job. It doesn't matter if you're in custodial it doesn't matter if you're Captain Nemo. It doesn't matter if you're the vice president of marketing. You see a piece of trash is on the ground, it's your job to go over and pick it up and throw it away. Everyone's a janitor. Everyone, everyone. And so you'll see the management people you know, walking around with these nabby grabbers and they're picking up cups out of planters and all that. Of course, the result is the number one compliment Disney World gets is how clean it is. That's, that's the number one compliment is how clean it is. But I also look at the, the message that that communicates to that frontline cast member, that it's everybody's, especially that brand new frontline cast member. Yes. They see this well-dressed person picking stuff out of a planter and asking the trainer, who's that? Well, that's our manager, or that's the, the vice president of the park. That's a pretty powerful <laughs> training mess, or not training. What do we want to call it? <laughs> coaching, teaching. That's a pretty powerful coaching moment uh, <laughs> to, to see that. One of my all-time favorite photographs of Walt Disney, and I know you're also a Walt Disney fan. Yes. There's a, a great photo, and I'll send it to you. I'll, I'll send it to you of Walt Disney picking up trash at Disneyland. Wow. Love it. And what I like to imagine and I don't know if this is the case, but what I like to imagine is that brand new cast member being trained, looking over and saying to the trainer, who's that? You know, that's Walt Disney. Walt Disney doing it. And look at what he's doing. He's picking up trash off. I'll send you the, when we uh, wrap up, I'll send you the photo. I love it. I love it. Well, I, I want to get into the wows and the fun and being animated, not automated. I do have, I do have one more question about kind of Disney University and the, the coaching that goes on. It said, you said in the book, research showed employee knowledge was a, was a priority at Disney. Mm -hmm. Making sure people knew how to answer questions right. and preparing for questions, the question behind the question. Yeah. How is that taught? Is that just part, like, I want to know how yeah. you teach they teach it in a fun way. You know, they talk about the questions that people are going to ask because people are out of their comfort zone. Yes. So the classic question, and you know this, the classic question at Disney, and we all dealt with it, is what time is the three o'clock parade? 
Okay. So when they're teaching that traditions program and, and somebody said, you know, they'd say, you know, you're going to get a question. What time is the three o'clock parade? Everybody laughs. Aha. Well, let's go a little bit deeper. Yes. Let's talk about what's really being asked. You know, and in this case, what's really being asked is what time does the three o'clock parade get to this particular location? Oh, you know what? That makes sense. I would be standing there in my Captain Nemo costume. You know, it's a sailor suit. It's a cap. I'm a good, you know, it's a, it's a cap in, a, in this little sailor suit. And they prepared us. So, you know, guests would come up and say, do you work here? You know, and you're, you're, you're in the back of your mind, you're thinking, I'm a grown man. You know? <laughs> but what they then will tell you is, you know, what they're really asking is, can you help me? You know, can you help me? You know, someone they asked it in a funny way, you know, do you work here? But what they're really asking is, can you help me? So during that traditions program, they talk about, all right, the question that you're asked a hundred times a day, that guest is asking for the first time. Mm. And you need to treat it with respect. Uh, you need to treat it with enthusiasm. And, and I'm sure your people, they, you know, they get, where's the restroom? Okay. Yeah. What time does the game start? We get asked all the time. Yeah, but, yeah. but it's the question: What time should I show up? Where should yeah. I be? It's the question. Behind That's that. the real question. Yes. That's what they're really. And so again, it's educating people on those types of scenarios because you, you're going to deal with them. You're going to deal with them. Hundred percent. Well, again, you said like it's someone's first time asking that question. Our president and my wife always shares every game is someone's first game. Every game is someone's right. first game. And they're coming in here. You might ask the question a hundred times, but it's their first time seeing the bananas. You better be ready to treat it like it's their first Right, game. right. And yeah. it may be a one-time thing for that. Yeah, that, that could be that, it. that fan. That was the other thing that, we, uh, that they stressed with us and they stressed today. Now, when I first joined Disney, a ticket to get in the park was $7.50. Okay? <laughs> it's not $7.50 no. anymore. <laughs> people save for years yeah. in some cases. This may be the only time. In their whole life. They, they, in their whole life that they yeah. come. And so that's another thing that they reinforce with their people is you come here every day. You come here every day. You know where everything is. You know the behind the scenes thing. For this person, they may have saved for years and this may be a one-shot deal for them. Mm. And we need to treat every guest like a VIP. I love it. It's almost putting the legacy on too, a little bit. Like yeah, we should yeah. obviously much more right. one, 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 one thousandth of degree, but we have people come from all over the world to come to one game. And I'm like, guys, we have people, that's why every night we go through the crowd and say, who's the furthest from home? We don't just do it to show the crowd. We show our people from Japan, Indonesia, Guatemala, all coming it. to a game so that our staff knows, wow, like this is, this is bigger than just a baseball game and you right. put that legacy on them. So learn that. Yeah, from and, and you bring up an excellent, excellent point right there. It's bigger than a baseball game. One of the, one of the other things that, and, and I know you agree with this, one of the things that they stressed with us and they continue to stress is Disney is not selling rides. They're selling an experience. Yes. And from the moment you start planning your trip to the moment you leave, everything in between, that's the product. Yeah. Now, rides are a part of it, just like baseball is a part of the experience, yeah. but it's a part. Yes. There's a lot of other moving elements, and that's all part of the product. Usually, if something goes wrong, it's not about that 
thing. It's not about the game. It's not about the ride. It's something around it that went wrong that really ticks people off. Yes. You have to look at that bigger picture of, of what is it we're really providing that differentiates us from every other option that they have out there. Oh, wow. This is dangerous. Two big Disney fans talking about it. <laughs> no. But you, know, you were talking about the experience there. You know, one big takeaway when our, for our whole team, we went to Disney, was like people plan you know, they get their fast passes. They right. plan their whole day. We're going to go to show this, go to show this. And what we walked away said, baseball is not a spectator sport anymore. How can we go into people weeks before and say, let's plan. We go to this show in the outfield here. We go to this show in the plaza. Then we have oh, this cool. and actually plan an experience based on baseball or our show where right. it's not just watching in. That's what made Disney. People want to stay for 12 hours. It right. wasn't just the rides. It was everything right. else. Yeah. So your experience is right on. But we got to keep, keep rolling, Dennis. This could go on for okay. the all right. All of a sudden, this is a 12-hour podcast. <laughs> uh, uh, I've, got, I've, I've got plenty of time right now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah the time of this recording, yeah, we definitely yeah. do need some time yeah. right now. But um, Little Wows. And I just, I, I want to share a couple uh, quick stories that I had from Little Wows. I was a big kahuna when I was eight years old. And so at Typhoon Lagoon, I was mm -hmm. chosen as the kid that took go in early, go down all the rides. I had my perfect spot, had free food. It was an amazing experience. Right. And just a couple of years ago, uh, my wife and I were doing, my book came out, Find Your Yellow Tux. So of course we did a world book tour at Epcot. So uh, we actually went to Epcot to each. Yeah, what a great idea. So we went to each little country with our book taking pictures. <laughs> But uh, what was so funny, it was so great. We were pulling in to park and my wife was pregnant at the time with our, with our son and I was wearing the yellow tuxedo and the woman kind of looked at us, smiled and then gave us a magic pass for free parking. And uh -huh. I was like, wow, it was, yeah. like, it was like $20 parking. But we're like, wow, right. what a great start. Yeah. Little wow, just yeah. like the big kahuna. Talk to me about the little wows. You shared some. I'd love some more examples of things that Disney did. Yeah, and the point that I make in my presentations and workshops is the big wows are wonderful when we can do them. You know, and, and everybody has legendary stories yes. of big wows that they've done, which are, they're great. When we can do the big wows, we should because legends are made of those. But what I stress is the magic is in the little wows because little wows add up. Mm. You know, you think about somebody coming to a game, you think about somebody going to a restaurant, you think about somebody going to Disney World, there's multiple touch points that are involved in that experience. And if there's just that little moment at enough of those little touch points, it adds up to, wow, th these folks are amazing. Well, were they? It was really a series of little things. Yeah. The lady giving you the pass to park, okay? That she had to be empowered to do that, right? She had to be empowered to be able to do that. If that was the only thing that happened that day, that was nice, but big deal. Yeah. But then you have cast members who approach you when they see that that lost look on your face, you know, <laughs> and they come over to you versus waiting for you to come to them. They come over and say, you know, I can tell, you know, you're in your yellow suit, you're lost right now. Can I help you? That's a little moment of wow. That's sort of, or when they come over and say, I love what you're wearing. Or tell me about that. Okay, that's a little moment of, wow. I have a six-year-old granddaughter. And when we go out to Disney, right now, the whole Disney princess thing is yes. just huge. It's a, it's a huge deal. And so she always dresses up as one of her favorite princesses. She's got a million princess outfits. And the cast members all call her by her princess name. 
Oh, During, you know, when she said, yeah, Jasmine, I can't believe you're here today. Uh, yeah, that's this one. You look so, you look beautiful today, yeah. Cinderella. Well, whoever, Elsa. Yeah, Elsa, who, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of the newer ones, I don't even know their names, but, yeah, but we bought the, we did buy the costume. When you see a guest who's getting ready to take a photograph of their family, you go say, hey, you know, jump in. Let me, let me take the photo for you so that you can be in the photo also. Again, little thing. But at the end of the day, if there were enough of those little moments, involved it was wow this place is amazing yes but people don't really take the time to analyze those moments but they matter they matter because they add up oh, 100%. so what i always work with uh, when, when i'm working with clients is say what are those little things that don't cost a dime maybe don't even take any more time you know it doesn't take any more time to comment on somebody's t-shirt that they're wearing and where they're from their favorite team whatever it doesn't it doesn't take any time any more time to do that but it was a moment of wow yes so some example i mean you mentioned epcot i think they had citations for fun or smile citations what are some of those other little things like that they were that people were empowered to do do you remember any well you know security they carry these citations where they can give out a citation for people having more fun than the law allows doing a u-turn with a stroller you know and they're just These are security guards, you know. You you turn with a stroller, so you turn with a stroller. Yeah, I'm giving you, yeah, yeah, and everybody thinks that's great. And the kids, ah, dad got arrested at Disney. You know, those kinds of things are are just little touches. If you see a a problem, you know, one of the examples I use in lessons from the mouse: child drops their ice cream cone. Okay, Mm -hmm. yeah, that is one of those moments that is just tears. The world for that child, the world has just come to an end, right? They drop their ice cream cone. As a cast member, what flavor do you like? Let me go get you another ice cream cone. You know, immediate, immediately handling it, no strings attached, no calling a supervisor. Your shirt, something happens and you, you spill something on your shirt and you've got it down. And you're saying, oh, I'm going to spend the rest of the day with this stain on my shirt. Sir, let, let me give you a new t- t-shirt on the house. You know, let me give you a new t-shirt. Just take care of people. I mean, it's just, just take, take care, care of them. Just, Disney is going to be okay. <laughs> they're going to be able to eat that cost. Okay, <laughs> They're, they're going to be all right. So those are the types of things. And I will tell you, that's not an easy thing to get cast member, new cast members to get comfortable with is that sense of empowerment. No, you can do this. Yeah. They feel like, I mean, is, is this stealing? Is this breaking a rule? No. Whenever you take care of a customer, yeah. that is good. Do yeah. it. Because most of them are coming from jobs where they weren't able to do. No, that. can't do that. So I'm guessing, just just to kind of get into practical here, I'm guessing um, the people at parking, the people at different setups, they have a certain amount of free magic passes that they can maybe give a day or a month. Like, is it just that they have some with them? How is it? It, it depends on the job. You know, okay. it, it depends on the job, like the parking ticket thing. It, and so there's no hard and fast rule across the organization on that. Just here's some. I tell you, I tell you the, the best thing that I think companies can do is to sit down at least once a quarter mm-hmm. with your team, you know, whatever your sphere of influence is, your department, your, your whatever your sphere of influence, influence is, nothing else on the agenda other than what do we find frustrates our customers, our guests, our clients? What do we find frustrates them? And what can we do about it? Mm-hmm. What would be a little moment of wow? that we could provide. Well, you know, if we could once a day, if each one of us could give a, uh, a free parking pass mm-hmm. to a guest for whatever reason, you know, those are the types of things that you think that you, that we, as management, we probably wouldn't have thought of. Yes. Right? 
But our frontline people, they're dealing with these issues every day. They know what makes people upset. They know what makes people smile. And so then to take some of those best, you're not going to be able to implement all of them, obviously, but to take some of those, those best ideas and say, let's make those part of the regular operation. I love it. And, you know, that's what they do. So I guess part of the answer to the question is it's not rocket science. It's all situational. It's, it's just figuring out, okay, what's, what can we do? What can we do to, to, to create these moments of wow? Make a better experience. Like, you know, you talked about the lines at Disney and the Tower of Terror, how they made it into an experience. You know, yeah. we're constantly looking at our lines. We had comedians <laughs> in the other day as potential to be comics right next to a line joking with the people. Yeah. I mean, we look at how do you make lines fun, a frustration point. Right. How do you make it an experience? All that. That reminds me of uh, something that happened uh, when 9-11 occurred. Mm. Uh, I was in San Diego and, and was, you know, obviously all flights were canceled. And so I was in San Diego at the time. And when they started reopening flights, I got a, a flight on Southwest Airlines back to the U.S. And there were huge lines. You can imagine there were huge lines. Well, one of the things that Southwest Airlines did was they hired magicians and jugglers and performers to entertain people while they were waiting in line. And I'm sure there were some people who said, well, that wasn't appropriate, you know, during the serious time. But I just applauded the fact that somebody even thought of that, you know, yeah, to, add, to add joy, this, to add fun during, yeah, a, to, fun. during a very tough time yes. to, to somebody said, you know what we ought to do? And then somebody else said, yeah, let's do that. I just thought that was a, a fabulous idea. I love it. Well, adding fun is such a big point. You, you talk about that in the book, Creating Fun. I get asked that question all the time. It's kind of a tough subject to talk about because there's not, like you said, clear answers, but you mentioned things about like contests, like how many customers can you get to smile on another right. in an hour? Did Disney have any other like fun contests to get people? I mean, I was on the Jungle Cruise the other day and I right. was having so much fun watching, you know, how they interacted with us. Like, yeah. What does that look like into the... the well, it, it, that really comes down to the onboarding and, and I'm going to say training, but <laughs> the getting people looking for those types of things, yeah. you know, and the Jungle Cruise for, as an example, you know, there's a script Yes. that talks about the different places along, but there's a lot of places for ad-libbing, you know, that, that people can bring in. Now, sometimes those ad-libs are not appropriate, and that's where the coaching part comes back. <laughs> <in. laughs> but the cast members on the Jungle Cruise, the, the skippers, are encouraged to weave in some of those ad-libs. So when you go through the, the, the training process, that's one of the things that your trainer is talking about is, is they're talking about, you know, here's a place where, you know, here's what I do. Some people might say this, some people might say this, you know, you're going to come up with your own ad libs along the way, but it's just, it's part of the culture to weave those things in. So I, I can't say they hand you a card that says, do this. Yes. It's more of an absorbing of the culture as you progress through your career of what I can do, what things might not be appropriate, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I, I want to go to a few more quick things. I mean, the be animated, not automated. I think that it's just such a quick, uh, simple way to teach people on how to add some flair, some fun. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think one example you gave was, you know, have a magical day, just something yeah. that's by Disney. Are there any other examples on, you know, how to be animated better? Yeah. And, and one of the things too, that I remember when I was learning to working on the attractions uh, that they taught was when you're boarding people on the attractions, you're literally counting. So when I was boarding people on the, the submarines, they each held 40 people. 
So when you're the person loading, you're counting 40 people, all right? And there's, that's the task, is count 40 people to get on, the, on that sub. So you've got to stay focused, you know, because if 41 people, you've got a situation, all right? So 40 people, that's how many can go on. But at the same time, there was no reason when somebody walked by and a child had their Mickey Mouse ears on and they, you know, they get their names yes. on them to say as they walk by. And I'm still counting. I say, hey, Bobby, how are you? And it would just, you know, freak the kid out. <laughs> how did he know? Who I was? And the parents think you're wonderful. They know exactly how you did it. You know, again, boarding people on a ride. Somebody's dressed up in one of the, uh, the, the Disney princess costumes to call her by name. It didn't slow down the process, but you're being animated rather than automated. How you answer the telephone. You know, you, what I find is usually when somebody gets a job where they're answering phones, their first few calls are really animated. Okay, it's new. You know, I got the job. You know, I'm trying to, Well, listen to those phone calls a week later, you know, and how they, they're now answering their 600th call. Mm. And one of the things that, that with, with contact centers, Disney does and most contact centers do, is they record calls, you know, and they can play that back for an employee and say, let's listen to the way you answered the call, how you responded. You know, yes, you answered the call, you, you gave the correct information, but I, I didn't feel welcome. I didn't feel mm. welcome. So what are some things that you could do to, to amp that up? And they know immediately what they need to do to, to, to amp that up. Yeah. Uh, you know, just put it, we call it at Disney, we call it put a smile in your voice. You know, yeah. when you're on the telephone, they, they, that was one of the classes they even had at the Disney University called put a smile in your voice. How do you do that? They even had mirrors that you could, that people would um, in the contact centers would have in their cubicles. And it would say, put a smile on your face. So they would see themselves, you know, in the mirror. And you knew if you were smiling or not. Wow. Uh, so put a smile in your voice. You know, those are the kinds of things that bring out the animated. Because when you answer the same questions over and over again, yes. when you're doing the same repetitive motions over and over again, it's very easy, easy just to fall into a routine. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, and, and that goes back to the, the thing that you touched on earlier is if you just have some fun with it, you know, those, those routine jobs, if you just have some fun with it, you know, sometimes my goal is just make somebody laugh. Yeah. Just, just to do something, you know, somebody would walk by, you know, hey, what's your favorite Disney movie? And they would chuckle and, you know, it didn't cost anything. It didn't take any more time, but it was a moment of authenticity, a moment of fun. I love it. It's so simple, but it's, it's so, I just, I think it's so important the teaching of this and how it's recognized the good behaviors. Cause I think about like people serving burgers, you know, we have all you can eat food. They serve thousands of burgers. We go through 10,000 pieces of meat. Here's your burger. Here's your burger. Here's your burger. I want to challenge our team. How can you serve it in a fun way? How can yeah. you present the burger in a fun way? Like it's the best thing that someone's ever had in their entire yeah. life. Yeah. 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 And I mean, it's simple things like saying, what's the best thing that's happened to you today? Yes. At the game. What's been your favorite part of the game so far? Part. Yeah. How many games have you been to this season? Yes. Yeah. You know, uh, those kinds of just little moments make such a huge, and it makes it more fun for you as a, as a team member. Yeah, I love it. You, you could ask, like, for instance, like, have you got your picture with the breakdancing first base coach yet? And then we could find out who that kid is. And then when he goes to see the breakdancing coach comes, yeah. hey, can I get my picture with you? Right. It makes right. it it's a special experience. That's like, wow, right. it's just paying attention, which I, I absolutely love. All yeah. right. 
I know we're coming to an end, but the one thing that I really was really important, I think, in your book that came to the end, but it talked about making life easier for your cast members and how serving them and setting up a situation for them that's treating them as a great guest. And right. you talked about you know buying, having places they can buy stamps, cash checks, but the interactions that you have, I think that's forgotten by a lot of companies. It when is. someone comes in, they just go to work. Can you share maybe a little bit about what Disney did and how we can get better at you know treating our people like great guests? Yeah. Well, the philosophy was treating people with respect mm. um, and recognizing how hard those jobs really are and engaging your people and how do we get better at what we do. That, that idea that I, I talked about earlier of periodically bringing your team together and having the discussion about what can we do to get better at what we do? You know, how can we eliminate or alleviate frustrations? How can we create those moments? Wow. Share a story. You know, team meetings. At the beginning of a team meeting, one of the things that they were always encouraged to do was get somebody to share a wow story. Something that they did, something that saw another cast member do. Uh, because that, again, when you're part of a team and you hear something that somebody else did, the, the thing that could go on in your mind is, oh, yeah, I could do that. I hadn't really thought of that before. And that's where things really start taking off. You know, somebody, some housekeeper at Disney had to be the first one to say, you know what I'm going to do with the, the, the stuffed characters that the kids leave in the room while they're off in the park? I'm going to tuck them in you know, to the bed. I'm going to position them playing with a deck of cards or with some milk and cookies or something like that. Somebody had to be the first one to do that, right? But it would have stopped there if they didn't encourage people to share these ideas and share these stories. And that's what I I think as managers that we need to be doing is getting, getting our people engaged in making it a better organization. And it's not just about going through the motions. It needs to be real. It, needs, it can't be just, okay, what are your ideas? And then you do nothing with it. Okay? Mm-hmm. We ask for their ideas. Okay, can't be that. That'll go south very quickly. It has to be really getting people focused on how do we get better. And that, does, that goes a long way in telling people that you really do value their opinion. Yes. When you're out there in the, you know, at Disney in the park or whatever the job may be, just those moments of encouragement of saying, man, it is hot out here today. Isn't it? it is really hot. Are you doing okay? You're drinking your water. You know, you're taking those hydration breaks. Those kinds of things to have, have your manager or your vice president to show that they're thinking about you. Mm. And we don't realize that. I think as leaders, we often don't realize the impact that those little touches have. 100%. We go over to somebody and say, are you doing all right? You know, I know it's a hot day. It's been a long day. You doing okay? Anything you need? I don't think we realize the impact that that has. Yeah. Again, I go back to that, that point I made earlier about you know, managers being expected to spend 70% of their time out there in their work area. That's a big part of it is just supporting your people, chipping in where you can. You know, it's a busy day in one of the restaurants, getting behind the counter and helping to serve those hamburgers. Mm. You know, those kinds of things. When people see that their boss is back there and can't do it as well as they can, you know, know, they're kind of laughing at your attempts, but still, hey, she's back here and she's helping out. That's Uh a pretty powerful message. 
well, if you want your guests, your customers to have a Disney experience, you need to give a Disney experience to your cast members, to your people. And I think like it's, it's taking care of them, but understanding the frustrations, you know, mapping it for them on how they come in. What right. are those things that you can make it easier for them? You know, do you know what really frustrates your people in a given day? How do you make that better? And how do you make it better? Now, you're, and again, you're not going to solve every issue. You're no. not going to solve every problem. But if you solve a few of them, that's, that goes a long way. When I was first in my, my first management, position, I was getting ready to give my first verbal reprimand to a cast member that had a bad attendance record. That was the problem. And I was kind of excited, you know, because I was finally giving a reprimand rather than getting a reprimand. (laughs) I was kind of excited about it. And uh, like I said, it was for attendance. And I was rolling over what I was going to say, and, and it, it was going to be pretty brutal. Okay. I, I'll be honest with you. It was going to be pretty brutal because attendance was kind of my big thing that I, I just couldn't take bad attendance records. So uh, the person was coming up to the offices and my manager, my boss, a guy by the name of Bruce Fox, he saw that I was getting ready and he said, so you're getting ready for your first reprimand? I said, yeah, I'm going to let him have it. And he sat down. Now this was 1981 and I remember it like it was yesterday. He said, no matter what you have to do, if you have to coach somebody, if you have to reprimand somebody, even if you have to fire somebody, when they walk out of that door, you make sure they walk out with their dignity. Mm-hmm. And man, I'll tell you, those words have stayed with me ever since. And I, I don't know if I've always been successful at it, but I sure tried, you know, mm-hmm. to, to make sure that regardless of the circumstance, that it was important as a leader to make sure that that person retained their dignity. Yeah. And when they walk out, you know, what are they thinking? How is that experience? Is it helping them be better or is it just going to make them mad at you? And that's a tough, that's tough. That's a tough situation. It's tough. It's tough. I still had to give the reprimand. Yes, you had to get, I still yeah. had to give the reprimand. But the way I did it was a 180 degree turn. But a great reprimand can show that you really care about that person. Yeah, it's coaching, coach right? It, it goes go. back to coaching 100%. and not reprimanding. 100%. All right. I love, let's finish with some rapid fire here. All right. That's a rapid fire. We'll finish up here. Okay. Uh, this has been a lightning. All right. Quick win. Let's see. If, if someone right here, they want to start delivering a Disney experience, what's yep. some, like a leader right now can go out today and try to do better for his team or for his uh-huh. guests or customers? Coach your folks on the, the, this phrase, everything speaks, everything speaks, every detail from the tone of your voice to the appearance of your, your attire to the, the way the place looks, everything speaks. What are the things that are saying what we want them to say? What are the things that say what we don't want them to say? And what can we do about it? Okay? Mm. You can do that today. Everything speaks. Let's take a look at what we're doing and fix what's wrong. I love it. We want people to say in our game, it's the most fun they've ever had at a baseball game. So how is your tone? How is the expression? How do you greet them? Everything speaks. Everything speaks. I love it. All right. Beautiful. Now uh, flip the script. You're the host of Business Done Differently. You can ask me one question. How did you decide that, that the experience was going to be the thing that was going to make you different? Because that had to be a tough decision. How did you decide that that was the approach you were going to take? The question that I heard, I think, many years ago from Tony Robbins, what business are you in, but what business are you really in? And then asking that to us and saying, what could we be the best at? We're a low-level baseball team. We'll never be the best baseball team in the world. And meeting tons of people in the community, they always said, we don't like baseball. We don't love baseball. Our people wouldn't like to go to baseball. It's too long. It's too slow. It's too boring. So we said, well, why don't we make it all about entertainment? So then we went all in the entertainment experience. And so again, what does entertainment mean? To provide enjoyment or to provide amusement, to pay attention to people. Uh Every business is in the entertainment business. So we said we can be the best this and we turned it into 
fun players dancing, you know, yeah. grandma dance teams, uh, a break dancing coach, a pep yeah. band. You know, we just kept saying, what are those things to add to the experience? Right. So we, what I'm hearing then that I think that the viewers can really apply in that is what do we want to be known for? Yes. Yeah. You know, what do we want to be known for? It looks to me like you have zeroed in on the magic answer. To that question. <laughs> yeah. I, w- I would guess, and, I, and I, this is very unscientific, I would guess 90% of organizations out there have never answered that question. Mm, yeah. What it, do we it, want to be known for? It's great. And that leads to this other rapid fire question. I don't know if there was a spinoff from it, but you know, if you want better answers in business, you got to ask better questions. Yeah. And obviously you asked, what do you want to be known for? And then you said, what are people saying about you? Is yeah. there another question that maybe gears towards that, that any business could ask right now? Yeah. What I, one of the things that, that I, when I first start working with a consulting client, I say, come up with three things that you would want your customers to say about their experience with you. Come up with three things. You know, for Disney, it was a magical experience. They paid attention to every detail. They made us feel special. You know, come up with three things that you want your customers to say about their experience with you. That's your brand. Okay. That's your brand. It's mm-hmm. not your marketing. It's your brand. Then the next part of that discussion is, so what needs to happen in order for them to say those three things about you? Love it. And Love it, it all kind of falls into place. Beautiful. All right, last few here. If you were to give advice on someone, to someone on how to stand out in business, what would you tell them? Focus on the experience and not the product. Love it. You know, that every, from the first point of contact to the last point of contact, everything in between is what you're really selling. The product itself is just a piece of it. Love it. You gave the great story of your boss earlier about the reprimand, but is there any other amazing advice that you've received that's helped you along the way? Well, I would say that the most important thing was recognizing, from a leadership perspective, are you saying? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Recognizing how hard those jobs are that our people do yeah. and, to, and to demonstrate that respect. That goes a long way in just breaking down the, some of the barriers between management and the front line is when they they understand that you respect what they do. Mm. And the only way to demonstrate that is to demonstrate it. Mm. Through your words, through your actions, you have to focus on that every single day. I love it, love it. All right, final one, we're finishing with a game here, Dennis. All right, we're gonna finish with a game to make it- Uh-oh, fun. uh-oh. Here we go, truth and dare. Which one, <laughs> you, which one would you like first? I'll take a truth. All right, truth. What is something that has held you back in your career, whether obviously as a speaker, author, working at Disney, but that you've helped, you've worked to overcome? I was very shy in terms of getting up in front of people and speaking. That just wasn't, you know, I could do it one-on-one, you know, with a, uh, with a guest. I was very, but in terms of public speaking, that was a real fear that I had. And so one of the things that, that I kind of forced myself to do fairly early in my career is getting involved in speaking and training and those kinds of things. And I went to the Disney University where I was doing, getting up and doing classes. And at first I was terrified going through it. And now I'm a professional speaker. You know, that's what I do. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that, I guess fear, fear held me back. Fear yeah. of getting up in front of people. That was one of the things that held me back. That was, that's a truth. And then you just started, got your reps in, and now you're doing it professionally. Amazing. All right. Don't think you're getting away from the dare. Are you ready for Uh-oh. this? Okay. All right. This is done at our stadium every night. It's called a sing-off. We have 2,000 right. fans versus 2,000 fans. Let me clear my throat. 
I play a song. When the song stops, you have to finish those song lyrics. And this song is, uh, let's say, fitting for you. And as I've heard you talk about this before. Oh, here, I know what you're going to do. <laughs> I know what you're going to do. It's a world of laughter, a world of tears. It's a world of hopes and a world of I'm going to turn down my volume. <laughs> it's a small, small world. So now yeah. you know why they didn't hire me as a singer. <laughs> but you, you know. did work, didn't you work I once? I did work at It's a Small World. That was the longest six months of my <laughs> life. <laughs> well, I hope this interview didn't feel like the longest six uh, months. No, this was, yeah, I mean, you are a wonderful interviewer. This was so <laughs> much, I can't believe how much time has already gone by. This was so much fun. Well, I bet I you I'm going to have to trim this down or what? No, it's going to be perfect. I, I had to bring you back, you know, the joy that obviously uh, Disney has brought us and the joy that you brought me from the lessons from the mouse and what we taught our staff. You're making an impact, my friend. So well, I, don't know if I appreciate like, that. Really appreciate like, that. Is, if there's anything else you'd like to leave, you've given so much wisdom today and, and I truly appreciate you, Dennis. Well, I appreciate uh, the fun that you have brought to your organization. I, I, I have to believe it, it is a wonderful place to work. Yeah, we have a lot of fun. That's that's certain. So yes, check out Lessons from the Mouse, Unleashing Excellence. I know Dennis Snow, just search him, find him out, but he is, uh, you are doing amazing things. So thanks again for being with us. Thank today. you. Thanks for listening to Business Done Differently, where we believe whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. And that standing out is the best way to grow your business. For more information about the guest and topics covered on this episode, visit findyouryellowtux.com or shoot me a note at jesse at findyouryellowtux.com. Until next time, stop standing still, start standing out.